Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Get With The Grove podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Julie. She is an advocate resource counselor for Hospice Wellington, and she will be doing rural outreach to get support to their rural communities. Hi, Julie. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited for this episode. Well, thank you. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what Hospice Wellington offers. And so what's the first thing you think about when you hear the word hospice? Death. Right. So people think, oh, that's the place you go to die. So I want to talk today a little bit about changing people's perspective about what Hospice Wellington does, because it's about more than that. It's about supporting people. So it's about supporting people who are palliative so that they have that life limiting illness or disease that they've been diagnosed with. It's about supporting people who care for them, so the caregivers, and it's about supporting people who are impacted by the grief of a loss of a loved one. I think four times a year, we put out at a glance, which tells you about what programs we have that are up and coming for that uh, time frame. So right now for our fall programs, we have quite a few programs that are available for people to um, sign up for. And um, But before I do that, I just want to give you a little history about um, Hospice Wellington. So our mission in, at Hospice Wellington is to provide and promote hospice palliative care for individuals and their families. So Hospice Wellington started in 1980, and it was actually the community Community that got together and decided there was a real need for a place for people to go and die and to have those supports. So it was basically a gift from the community to the community. So our building is in Guelph and we have um, a 10 bed residence there that provides that hospice palliative care for end of life. And so it's for those people who are at end of life, which is usually about the last three months of their life. So they would come to our residential uh, building to get those supports and that care. And is that what you mean when you say palliative? Well, palliative is, hospice and palliative are, are intertwined. So palliative is um, the onset of your diagnosis. And it's basically 18 months, or if you say to somebody that surprise question, would you be surprised if this person lasted longer than a year or lived longer than a year? Mm -hmm. If the answer is, is, um, yes, I'd be surprised that they'd live longer. But, um, if they, if the answer was no, I, I would, I would think that they'd probably only have about a year left. And usually Mm -hmm. the doctors can kind of give a roundabout prognosis of that. And, If they aren't, so then they're palliative and we want to do it a palliative approach to care. So we want to help that person in their journey through their end of life Mm -hmm. and help them with what resources they need, with helping them with, um, you know, kind of getting their things in order. Like, do you have a will? Do you have uh, advanced care plans? Do you have um, somebody to speak on your behalf when you can't speak anymore? So it's getting those things in order and helping that person. Mm -hmm. The, The hospice part of it is really that end of life, that last three months. So that's what we try to provide at the residence that we have in Guelph. Um, we also have a community program that is the bottom part of the residential building. We have offices there and we do some community programs and some community. Um, we have a palliative day program. Obviously, right now with COVID, there's a lot of stuff that isn't running and we, but we are doing it virtually. And I think 
there will be a place for virtual even when things start opening up mm-hmm. better again because some people are really enjoying the virtual part of it. And somebody who lives in Palmerston or Clifford may not want to drive to golf for to golf. a program, yeah. but they they could do it virtually. Um, so I, um, we are looking at hopefully to see how can we continue with some virtual programs. Um, so they do have that on-site or palliative program. They have respite care. So if you are palliative um, and your caregiver is with you and they need some support, uh, what we would do is maybe get a volunteer to come in for mm-hmm. an hour, um, uh, either a week or every now and then, whatever you need. It's about you as the person with what you need as far as resources. And we would get somebody in to help sit with you as a companion for an hour while your caregiver could go out and get groceries or do banking if it's like, you know, your mm-hmm. mom or your husband or wife. So we do offer those supports as well. And then the other part of that is the uh, bereavement and grief supports that after somebody has died, if you need those supports. And sometimes your grief might happen six months later, like mm-hmm. it might hit you and then you're really, you know, in that space where you do need some support. So we offer all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And what age groups are these supports available to? Um, we are doing 16 years old to whatever age mm-hmm. after that, you know, 92, 100, <laughs> whatever you live to or, or, um, but yeah, so we, we are doing from 16 on the, um, for children, there is other supports out there that would be able to help out with some grief supports mm-hmm. and different, um, um, supports that way. So, um, so I do have a little bit about palliative as well, where it's, like I said, it's an approach to care that helps that person and their families that are living with that life-limiting illness. Mm-hmm. But it wants to, for palliative, we want to provide that comfort, that dignity, pain management, and support to the best quality of life for that person. And we believe that the end of life care deserves as much beauty as the beginning of your life. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, grief and bereavement as well, because that is a really tough thing for people to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we have some wonderful supports. We have an adult loss group. Uh, we have a spousal loss support group, and we also do some one-on-one. Um, so if somebody doesn't want to be in a group or they don't want to, uh, share their story, mm-hmm. um, we can do some one-on-one supports. And right now, obviously, their phone supports. Um, we're hoping to get back into doing some in-person grief groups. And, um, but it's worked out really well having the mm-hmm. virtual. Um, and, and grief can be so lonely and isolating for the person, especially if they aren't sure or don't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big quote person, so I write down a lot of <laughs> quotes. So, um, in our, in our at a glance, we have a little quote there that, that says, sharing our stories of love and loss are among the most courageous of things we will ever do, which is so true because it is a really hard thing for people to talk about and share. And it's a very personal journey that you're on for your grief. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody grieves differently and they they mourn differently. But I always say talking about sadness and grief can help let out some of that pain. And sometimes that leaves more room in your heart to remember what you loved about someone. Oh, yeah, that's that. from a Nicholas Sparks book that I read. So I thought, <laughs> well, that was a really good quote. So I wrote it down. <laughs> so... Um, so some of our other programs, I'm going to talk a little bit about those that we have. So I talked about the bereavement supports. 
Um, so we also have a lot of wellness um, that goes with that. So we're helping the person with their wellness. And we do like that holistic approach because mm-hmm. we take care of the person, but also um, the family and caregivers and after loss. So it's that holistic approach to care. So we have, um, like I said, the phone supports. We have a wonderful group of volunteers that do a lot of that. They do some ambassador training. So they'll be coming to hopefully do an information night mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for families and for the youth here that um, will hopefully help them understand kind of what supports are out there that they could um, use. We have a peaceful yoga. So that, um, that sounds so interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah it does. Um, so the yoga is offering a restorative opportunity to gently focus on your body alignment and breathing. So that's what they try to do in the classes for that. Um, we have what we um, have is called a well on your way. It's a sparks connect and it's a resource platform that has recorded meditations, mindfulness and self-compassion practices. So if you are, um, if you refer yourself or you're referred to our supports, you can utilize our wellness um, supports as well. So that's one of the things that they could go on the Sparks Connect and um, have some of that and do it by themselves mm-hmm. if that's something that helps them with their strategies. Now, is there a fee associated with any of these programs? Absolutely not. Oh, all wow, our, that's amazing. All our programs are at no cost um, for our clients and families because of generous donations from our wow. community. So, yeah, it's that's really amazing. awesome. And does this include the support groups and yep. all of that? Wow. Yeah, all of our programs are, okay. are at no cost. Yeah. Perfect. And um, another wellness thing we have is distance Reiki. And so right now, um, it's a just a form of energy healing originating from Japan in the early 1900s. Um, Reiki has no affiliation with a specific nationality or religion. And we do really pride ourselves on trying to encompass all groups and mm-hmm. all religions. And if we don't have the answers, we like to know that we'll find them for you. <laughs> um, specifically, if it's um, a different uh, religious group, mm-hmm. we'll try to help if that's something you need. So mm-hmm. we do um, person-centered and we like to be very person-approached. And it's not my agenda. It's about what the person needs. And mm-hmm. so that as far as helping them with resources is you tell me what you need it's not me coming in there saying well I think you should get this this Mm -hmm. and this or you need to have this person in it's about what do you need how are you feeling I think that's so important when you're at that stage in your life as well Mm -hmm. yeah and you need that support and Mm -hmm. you need somebody to help guide you and sometimes you have a really great support system with your family and and your community and some people are very strong in their faith communities and they're very helpful and sometimes people don't have anybody and so it just Mm -hmm. everybody has a different story yeah and that's our our whole premise of hospice wellington is your story matters Mm -hmm. so we do like to know your story and everybody has a story and everybody has a different journey in what they go through and we are just here to help support you through that journey Mm -hmm. the best way that we can Mm -hmm. by offering what we can and if we don't have it uh, like as my job so now my role as the the um, advocate resource counselor now. So we were given money 
um, generously donated by an estate of Clara and Oscar Bookbinder. When they passed away, they both were at Hospice Wellington, mm-hmm. and their, they left part of their estate to Hospice Wellington wow. to create this program that I'm doing, this rural outreach. <laughs> That's amazing. Because they felt that the I mean Wellington County is it's huge. So vast. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know because I'm driving it. Uh, so <laughs> it is it's big. And you know, everybody thinks, oh, Hospice Wellington is in Guelph. Mm-hmm. It's that building in Guelph. I even had a chat with a doctor a few weeks ago where I was explaining what programs we do and he was he was like, Oh, you really? Wow, I didn't I thought of you were just the building and that, oh, that's no. where you go to die. So even people out in the community and doctors mm-hmm. have that perception of that's what Hospice Wellington is. And so. I'm gonna be honest, that's what I thought as yeah. well. When yeah. I first hear the word hospice, that's what I think. I don't think about supports available that they're there to help you and yeah. it's centered around you. Yeah. I just think of it as a place you go to peacefully pass away Mm -hmm. yeah so this is why i'm hoping to change everybody's perspective and get that word out there that we are all about more than that and we really in the end all we want to do is help people in their journey Mm -hmm. of their end of life journey so um so the rural part of that so what my job is is to um um, do this outreach kind of project. So what they did when they got this money from the Bookbinder Estate was that they got like a working group together. So they had people from all over kind of give input into what the gaps were in the rural areas. Mm-hmm. And so some of those things were that they needed somebody to go into homes and help support with palliative care. So when you first get that diagnosis, um, that life-limiting illness, and that, you know, you your prognosis is that you probably have less than a year or a year to live, there's, if you're not, um, if you don't need the supports um, right away for nursing support, but you do need that emotional grounding and emotional support, that's where we're hoping to come in earlier mm-hmm. at the beginning of that diagnosis to be able to help you with your navigating your journey to say, what do you need? Here's, you know, I'm doing little care caddy baskets mm-hmm. that will have some information in there. We're working on a little booklet that um, I'm hoping to have ready for September sometime to give out to, to people to, to be able to write in, oh, here's mm-hmm. my, here's where my will is. Here's who's the executor. Here's where this is. And then a little journal book to write in your story, mm-hmm. like your memories and what you're feeling at the time. And, and that might also help people through their journey too. Like today I'm not feeling so good or today mm-hmm. was a really good day. My grandkids came to visit and put pictures in there. It's your memories that yeah. you want to share in your journal. So, so we're hoping to have some of that ready to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that was identified was they needed more grief supports in the rural community. Mm-hmm. So instead of having, um, you have to go to the building in, in uh, Guelph and with doing a lot of the virtual stuff right now, I think we have reached out to a little bit more people beyond the mm-hmm. Guelph. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been nice because we've actually had a few um, churches call and identify that we'll, we really need this up here. Um, so we're actually, uh, I'll be sending out some flyers, which I will be happy to send you <laughs> to send out, uh, just to say that we're doing a, a hopefully an in-person group support up in Rockwood, Aaron, Hillsburg, and then we're doing um, one to see 
virtually if mm-hmm. there's people that want to do a virtual one and that's going out to all of rural to see you know how many people really want this or need yeah. this and I think yeah. people do not like to talk about death or dying Definitely and that's not. A, it's a really hard hard thing and mm-hmm. people feel like they're alone and they're not there's so many things and people out there that want to help you through that and mm-hmm. I think it's just erasing that stigma that you just don't talk about it or that Mm -hmm. it's just a personal journey and for some people it might be but for others um having and knowing that those supports are out there is just maybe a comfort that they can have that so so yeah and the desired outcomes of this rural kind of program or the rural outreach that we're doing is to build and maintain and sustain strong relationships in the community Mm -hmm. so having partnerships with with you guys you're called the growth growth yes um and collaborations and partnerships with the community members Mm -hmm. service providers different organizations and maintaining that in the community beyond um this so this was a three-year kind of um project basically Mm -hmm. so we're hoping to expand it beyond that and get it going and really maintain those relationships in the community Mm -hmm. so that we can continue on um, forever basically Um, and we want to provide that exceptional care to all palliative uh, caregiver and bereaved clients in Wellington County so the other really awesome thing we have is a lending library so some people like so interesting. What is that? <laughs> it's a, this lending library, it's at the building is um at the, it's in Guelph. Yes. Okay. However, there is so it is in Guelph. So we have this wonderful library that has books on palliative care for caregivers, for mm-hmm. teens, um, for we do have some children's ones and grief and bereavement. So mm-hmm. we have a vast. We have some videos there. We have uh, a couple music uh, tapes, but I'm going to be kind of have a little lending library, traveling library in my (laughs) office of a car that I'll be traveling around to all the rural areas. So when I am needed somewhere, um, I'm hoping to do little, uh, be in certain areas on -hmm. on the same day every week so Mm -hmm. that families or the health um, the family health teams know that I'm there and everybody that, you know, I'll be working with will know, okay, Julie's in town on Wednesdays up in Palmerston, Harrison area. So if we need her for something, we can give her a call and I can mm-hmm. drop off stuff. So I'm going to have this lending library in my car <laughs> of books that people could, if I think, if I'm chatting with somebody and I think, oh, you know, this, I have a really good book that maybe mm-hmm. this will help you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just enough to open up that door for yes. somebody to say, yeah, I read that book and like I have some questions Mm -hmm. and sometimes that will will help with I find too with younger people too if they if they have that opportunity to read something or or see something or hear something that might open up well yeah I do have questions Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. that's they can come and chat with me yeah and and how long would uh, people be able to um have these books for is there a timeline or just well how really long? that's a really great question <laughs> and i haven't really figured that out but i you know if i'm traveling around and mm-hmm. you know i i would say whatever they need it for mm-hmm. like uh, we can we usually have duplicates of some of the books um okay. so i will hopefully will obviously just sign them out and it's a trust thing that you know here you go here's a book i'm just going to write your name down and know that you have the book <laughs> um and then when you're done or i'll 
chat with you in a month or so. And if you are done with it and you want to give it back, great. If you still need more time, that's awesome too. I don't really have a a set time for that, but yeah. And is there a specific book that's really popular from the London Library yet? Um... I, that's a good question too because I don't know. I have I've looked at what people take out, but I know what I'm taking out because mm-hmm. I'm you know grabbing everything for <laughs> yeah. myself. But I know the caregivers guide is mm-hmm. a to me is a really important book, especially for the caregivers. I think that's one that does get um, we we kind of give that one away as well. We mm-hmm. have that one for caregivers, but we also have that that people have signed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if there's one specific one, and it just depends on what the person needs in their journey, right? So if they're having um, need some more uh, grief supports, and they're people who like to read, mm-hmm. um, they might take out some of those books. So yeah, I'm not sure if there's one specific that gets taken out a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm going to look into that because that's a really good question. <laughs> Yeah, I think the caregiver support one is definitely huge because I feel like when you do get that news, um, as a caregiver, you want to be there to support that person as much as you can. And it can be very confusing and you might not know um, how to best support this person. So I think it's amazing that you guys have that. Yeah. And, you know, and that's one of the other things we can help support the caregivers with is is just their wellness Mm -hmm. because caregivers forget to take care of themselves and they sometimes they're the only person helping that person that's dying or or that's palliative and so they forget that they need to think about themselves and Mm -hmm. take care of themselves so we try to offer that respite so that they can have a volunteer come in so they can get out for coffee with their friends Mm -hmm. or that's amazing you know just to have that one-on-one time for themselves Mm -hmm. and or even to get like you wouldn't think that getting groceries was a big deal but when you when you feel like you can't leave somebody alone and you're afraid to then you become very um um, much that caregiver that doesn't look after themselves Mm -hmm. so so that's a really big thing for caregivers is that they they do need to have some wellness and some and care personal care because they they do have a lot of burnout with caregivers Mm -hmm. and um, they try to do it all themselves sometimes and they need to know that they have supports as well out there Mm -hmm. so yeah that's amazing Well, but I just want to thank you for having us on your podcast and allow, allowing me to share about what Hospice Wellington does. Um, and thanks for listening because your story matters. Well, thank you so much for coming today. I definitely learned a lot um, oh, in this podcast episode. <laughs> That's good. And I'm hoping that you can come into Palmerston and all our other hubs in Erin and Fergus more. Uh, but thank you so much for your time today. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs>